Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Skype is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, uh, one Islanders streak has ended, but another one continues. And the guys just keep racking up points, which is still pretty good at this early stage of the season. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's funny if you look at it, the Islanders. Yeah, so they lose their their you know historic winning streak, and but keep the point streak alive. And they also tied their the second longest winning streak of the season with a one game winning streak, I guess, you know, if you look at it that way. So, uh, it's, uh, still, you know, I, I think it's, uh, everybody handled that loss pretty well. I thought, um, from, you know, I think we, we've talked about a lot of how Barry Trotz and Lamarillo, since they came in, like the fan base really reflects them. And, uh, I thought the way that the, I thought for, especially the way that, that the loss kind of transpired, I got a little nervous that people would be, kind of freaking out um but it seemed like cooler heads prevailed which mm. you know is still something that takes a lot of getting used to uh as an islander fan to watch you know people not freak out yeah um they uh i definitely the way you talk about how that game that game uh transpired and we'll talk about that in a second but uh yeah you know i they were definitely all pretty pissed like you can see that they were kind of angry barry trotz we'll talk about a lot anders lee was Definitely angry about it, but you know they their responses were pretty calm and measured, and and uh, you know they got right back to business the next day. The game against the Panthers, we'll talk about, but uh, yeah. So the the streak, the ten game streak, we we had a great time talking about the uh, the ten game winning streak. Uh, and if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, a lot of it's still 
pretty relevant because we did talk, we did focus very much on the streak. Um, that came to an end in a 4-3 overtime loss against Pittsburgh last uh, Thursday. And, I, you know, I think the thing about it was that it, it, the streak was going to come to an end at some point. Like we all knew, you know, whether it was that game or a game after or soon or whatever, you know, at some point they couldn't keep just winning, you know, another 70, whatever games. But I think what sticks out to most people and probably stuck out to the Islanders was it was a very uncharacteristic game for them. Um, they had a three goal lead after two periods. Casey Zika scored 19 friggin' seconds into the game. And, uh, but yet it, it seemed, it never seemed like they were really fully in control of the game. They were, they were very much outshot. They, uh, the final attempts and stuff, high danger chances, expected goals, attempts were all very, very, very much in favor of, uh, uh, the Penguins, which is really a shame. They only had, the Islanders only had 35 or so percent high danger chances. I'm looking at Carrie's, uh, uh, tweet now, which is from Natural Stat Trick, and that's not like the Islanders. You know, thirty-five percent high danger chances usually is what the other team gets, but the Islanders just, you know, they they again they had a three-goal lead, but they just didn't seem to really have a great grasp on the game. And then once the Penguins started scoring in the third period, the Islanders didn't really mount much of a pushback, which again was not like them. Normally, this team is pretty good about, you know, all right, they give up a goal, and then they kind of come right back. They just didn't do that, and before you know it, the game was tied. Um, I did see people complaining that Chats uh, didn't call a uh, a timeout after the second goal, and it reminded me I had like uh, Jack Capuano flashbacks. Man, we used to we used to get all pissed off that he didn't call any timeouts. Well, here you go. It doesn't just doesn't happen that much. Um, and so you know th- they didn't really seem to mount much of a comeback until the game was already tied. At that point, it was like inevitable. It looked like it was going to go to overtime. And then in, the, in overtime, you thought to yourself, okay, this is usually a spot where the Islanders are pretty good. And sure enough, the first minute or so, they did their thing. They they kind of ragged the puck around. They held on to it. Barzell came on the ice later on. They had a, I think they had a chance or maybe a couple of chances, but things went the other way. And then a giveaway behind the net by Ryan Pullock. And before you know it, the game is over. Brian Rust scores the second goal of the game. And that's it. And the streak is done. And you're like, what? What was that? Um, but then you remind yourself, oh, wait, they got to overtime. So they still have the point streak. And then uh barry trotz's press conference is now very famous uh unfortunately at the expense of our friend brian compton <laughs> who asked a question about you know how the islanders have been so good in third periods for so long and again this was totally uncharacteristic of them to give up a, a lead and, and lose a game in the third period and he mentioned something about you know you're afraid it's going to become a streak uh, a, a trend the other way and barry trotz looked at him with that that steely gaze and was like it won't be a trend and then just left. And that was it. <laughs> he just shrugged his shoulders <laughs> and left. And that was like, that was kind of, I think, all we needed. And I think that gets back to what you were saying, where like people weren't freaking out because this guy was just saying, like, hey, we lost the game and we'll be back the next time. And that's not going to happen again. And sure enough, it did not happen again uh, before we talk about that. Yeah. So I, I think that was a lot of it. I think we all, at this point, we all take our cues from Barry Trotz. And when he seems pretty confident that it's not going to happen again, we're all pretty confident it's not going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, I think last year we we kind of lived in in fear of the um, kind of the big losing streak because they always would rear their heads under, you know, basically for our entire lives. But uh, the Islanders just avoided it. I think you know through that whole regular season they lost three games in a row, maybe once, or they might not have ever done it um, until the playoffs. So uh, we we just kind of trust that. They, 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 when something when they kind of veer off path, they they correct themselves. And a great example of that is when they started the season one and three, and all of a sudden they were 
you know, they were 11 and three, like three <laughs> weeks later. So, um, it's like, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's just, this team isn't and knock on wood, like they're just not susceptible to those lapses because, and it, because they're so tough to beat no matter, you know, the penguins. Sure. They, they definitely, you, it's hard to make an argument that the Islanders didn't kind of deserve that fate. Even when they were winning, uh, the game felt in the balance, uh, the three, nothing lead didn't feel safe at all. Um, uh, Matt Murray made some big saves and mm. once he, you know, it, it was qu- a quick turnaround, obviously, cause it was basically the same play. But once, once he made that save on Beauvillier down low, I was like, Oh God, like, that was you know, pretty absurd. Was, <laughs> yeah. Save. You knew it was coming. He yeah. made it a save in the second period too, that you're just like, all right, this is the, uh, Pierre Maguire telling you, just make sure you remember that save when, if the penguins come back and then, <laughs> uh, and you know, they did. And, and it's hard to, to argue that the Islanders really deserve that win. But you just knew, and and they weren't great against Florida by any stretch of the imagination at all. But they they're just so hard to beat and unlock that eventually, like if if they lose a game or if they lose two games in a row, you know the odds are like when you're flipping a coin, that's the Islanders are just so good at turning games into coin flips when they maybe don't deserve to win. Like sure, like they do have their games where they they are the game is on their dimes on their script and and they deserve the win. But there are a lot of times when they're being outplayed, that just means that they're turning the game into a coin because they can rely on their defensive structure. And, you know, if you flip a coin 10 times, eventually it's just it's going to even out. So the Islanders will win those games. Uh, and they're set up to win those games. They're coached to win those games better than other teams. Uh, the Islanders, some, they're a team that, and this this was a theme last year, a lot of times, like if they they don't play up to kind of their standard, they still walk away with the two points. You're just like, I don't know how they did that. <laughs> and th- the truth is that we do. We know exactly how they did it. They they just did exactly. They they stayed in their lane. They waited for the other team to you know show an opening. They took advantage of the opening, and then they they basically just held on for. You know, and I don't want to say hold on for dear life because they don't look ever look panicked, but they just you know then they just shell up or um, basically commit to. to to a defensive game and, and make sure that that lead doesn't uh, get get erased. And that's kind of what they did against the Penguins, I mean, uh, Panthers. And, I mean, obviously, Thomas Grice was by, like, far the best player on the ice that night. And probably, you know, I think it's between him and Barzell at this point for who the best player on the team has been this season because he was just ridiculous. Yeah, again. Grice, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that he stole that game against the Panthers, but... Yeah, he was easily the best player for the Islanders in the game, and he just made some saves that probably nobody should have <laughs> made. Uh, there was another game where the Islanders gave up a lot of high-danger chances, um, but it, it was a marked improvement over the Penguins game. Uh, after the Penguins game, Barry Trotz said that they, they just didn't play smart hockey, and they kind of got back to that against the Panthers. To be perfectly blunt, it was not the most exciting hockey game I think anybody's seen and it's, it's a one o'clock game. Like it, you know, those tend to not be that good. And actually a lot of times they end up being pretty sloppy and this was just a two, one, <laughs> uh, win. And, uh, I mean, Grice was absolutely spectacular and Barzell scored a, a goal that was absolutely filthy. Like just what was it? Three or four minutes into the game. That was, uh, yeah, it was like, filthy in, in a very non, you know, it's, it, that, that goal wasn't going to end up on a goal of the year highlight film, but, I think only Matt Barzell scores that goal, maybe in the entire league. <laughs> it's it's like the filthiest goal ever scored in a radius of about three feet. Like it's just yeah. he didn't move at all, but he just had a hundred moves in there and he roofed it 
uh, over Bobrovsky, and you thought to yourself, oh, man, he's going to be on tonight. But that was the only goal for another period and a half. And, like, you know, it wasn't that it wasn't exciting. There were chances, but it just didn't do much. I got to say, though, that the Panthers' top line, which is Sasha Barkov, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, and Evgeny Dadnov, like, <laughs> these guys are good. Like, they're they're obviously very, very good, and they're the, the key focus on the Panthers. But, like, every time they play the Islanders, I feel like the Islanders let those guys look like the French Connection, like the old Buffalo Sabres, you know, Gilles Perrault, Rene Robert, and Rick Martin. Like, like, these guys, they come out there, and they just they dominate every single time they're on the ice. And I hate playing the Panthers. I just I hate that. The rest of the, the lineup isn't isn't really all that scary. I mean, they got, they got Yandel and a couple other guys, but... God, those, when those three guys are out on the ice, it's, I don't even want to look. Like, it's just crazy. It's just, I don't know. I mean, again, yeah. they're all good. And Barkov in particular is really good. But, like, holy cow, does any, do they do this against everybody? I mean, I don't make it a point to watch a lot of Panthers games, but against the Islanders, I feel like Jesus any, Christ. Every time I watch them, you know, if I watch them if they're maybe playing a local team or whatever, they're all, uh, I feel like none of them shoot. Like, mm. they'll all end up at the end of the game, I'll be like, oh, shit, they all had, you know, three, three points and they were all assists. And I'm like, they're playing at the same time. I don't know who they're passing the puck to, but, but they're all getting. It. Yeah, they're they're really good. Yeah, and, uh, they, and they they must you know kind of despise playing the Islanders because you think back to that playoff series mm. that the Panthers deserved better in that. I think uh, like speaking of Thomas Grice, I mean that was a ridiculous performance in that mm. playoff series against the Panthers. They must just hate Thomas yeah. Grice. <laughs> is actually what it is. Like, and in the way he just even the way he went about that series, it wasn't. You know, John Tavares ended up getting most of the accolades because he had a great series too. But uh, I mean, it's just that's how he's been this whole time. Is he he just does what he does and he's very quiet and there's very I think Arthur Staple called him like non fussy and I think that's the perfect way to put it. Like this guy, he he'll make a spectacular save or he'll make a, a you know he'll a shot will get deflected. He'll end up in front of the net and and he's just in the right position and he'll make the save and, and freeze the puck and you know, then he just makes it look so economical and cool when it, when it happens. He's just such, he's in control. Um, and we are going to be at a point, you know, I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but at, at the end of the season where he probably is not going to be an Islander anymore. And you're like, this guy was just, he's going to be one of the best goalies probably since, you know, in the, between Billy Smith and now era, hmm. he's, he's one of the best that the Islanders have ever had. I mean, they, that's not saying, you know him being better than Joey McDonald. You know he's, he didn't really have to beat out them. And people, he's just been so good, yeah. and just doesn't ever get talked about in the way that uh, he probably deserves. And it's, and I mean that goes back to last year. People would always you know kind of nod to him with the whole uh, when he him and Leonard won the Jennings Trophy together. But because of Leonard's story and just how good Leonard was, and um, you know most of the spotlight ended up on Leonard. And I think Thomas Price would probably rather have that just. Mm. You know, yeah, you know, right. from watching him for this long, he seems like a guy who is perfectly okay with uh, just being the uh, quote unquote one B or you know whatever, however they want to uh, label him. And but he, I mean, he it was between him and Leonard. Uh, I think for basically even strength save percentage last year. I think since the since Doug Wade, since Trotz came, I think him and Leonard even now with Leonard in Chicago are numbers one and three in terms of save percentage mm-hmm. uh, since since the beginning of last season. It's just this has been a remarkable run for a guy that was basically written off because he had one bad season after a couple of good seasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just shows you the 
what the job that these guys have done with the goaltenders. It's he's is really a remarkable story. I mean, he and he's he's 33. Like he's and he's actually almost going to be 34. He's going to turn 34 January 29th. Thomas Grice. And so we might not think of him as like a 34 year old guy because he he came to the Islanders when he was 30. And this was after, like you said, like a sort of a lifetime as a career backup. So I think we all thought he was a lot younger than he was. But I mean, age doesn't seem to mean much to this guy because, like you said, I think he's yeah, I think he's number one in save percentage right now. Uh, he's got a 9.42. Uh, he had a 9.27 at the end of last year. I mean, you know, is he going to have 9.42 all year long? Probably not. But I mean, if he ends up with another 9.27 save percentage, that's pretty remarkable. And I mean, the fact that he had 9.25 the first year he was with the Islanders, which again had that that playoff series that you talked about, like. This guy, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb. If you look at the Islanders' goaltending list, it's actually really funny because the Billy Smith is mainly the leader in most categories, you know, wins and, and losses for that matter, because he was there from the beginning. But, like, you know, he played in an era when, you know, eight-something was probably a pretty good save percentage. Like, the, the whole, you know, being above 9.9-something save percentage really only happened – when Patrick Waugh showed up. But before that, everybody's first number started with an eight. It was a point eight something. And Billy was pretty good for his was good for his era. I mean, he wasn't bad. He he was but for the era, that's that's the way it was. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that when it's all said and done, Thomas Grice is probably gonna be statistically speaking the number one goalie the Islanders have ever had. Because if you look at the list again of, you know, all time Islanders goalie stats, like Chico Resch is still on that list. And he hasn't played for the Islanders since uh, 1981 was when he was tra- traded to the Rockies. Like the Islanders have not had a guy come in and, and win games at this clip and make saves at this clip literally ever in their entire history, even when Billy Smith was doing his thing, which again was very good for the era, but it just didn't translate statistically to the same thing that we're talking about now. If Thomas Grice is going to be on the top of those lists. He's going to be on top of the wins list. He's already like, I think fifth, right on, on the Islanders wins list. I'm not sure who fourth is, but you know, when you compare his numbers to like Rick DiPietro's numbers, we've talked like, you know, Rick had a couple of good seasons, but most of them were marred with injuries. Yara Halak came in and had a couple of really good seasons, but Grice has already blown past him. He wasn't here that long. Uh, Leonard obviously was spectacular, but it was one season. And I mean, who else are we talking about? Like Kelly Rudy and Mark Fitzpatrick and, you know, guys that were okay, but Glenn Healy, like they were good. They were fine, but they weren't this. They, I mean, I watched those guys play and they weren't this good. Like <laughs> this guy just <laughs> swallows. I mean, Kelly Rudy had the whole headband thing down, which, you know, maybe Thomas Grice could use a little bit of Kelly Rudy headband flair. I guess we all probably could, but, but, you know, statistically speaking, this guy is out on an, on, on an island, pun intended, that Islanders goalies have almost never been on. And the fact that we just completely just take him for granted and like last year, like you said, like, I mean, Leonard got all the press because his story was remarkable. But I mean, there was only, what, four starts separating Leonard and Grice last year. So, I mean, yep. it's it's crazy. I mean, Grice has been fourth in, in Vezina voting for all we know. And, and, you know, it would have totally made sense. It's, it's crazy. And, yeah, I don't think we get like we talked about Casey Zekas a few weeks ago. I don't think we give him Thomas Grice enough love for, for what he's yeah. doing. It's and like, I, I mean, I don't think I don't think the the hockey kind of world does like you think Suzekis it's one like I'm sure every team's got a Casey Suzekis where they're like this guy the fan base needs to the fan base loves him and whatever but like Casey Suzekis is not gonna be sure like during a playoff series you'll you'll hear you know the announce you know just losing their 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 minds over how hard he plays and how simple his game is and stuff like that but that's about it you know he's not gonna ever really rise above being a great you know, team pr- pr- uh, production guy or whatever. Whereas goaltenders, like, 
they end up, you know, kind of rising through the uh, kind of the channels into the national or mainstream hockey media. Like people will talk about them, uh, and Grice still kind of hasn't. Like these, these, and he was he had a really good year the year that they um, beat the Panthers, and you know things just kind of went a little wonky for him, uh, and but since then. I mean, he, cause he, and I think he signed a contract extension um, in, in that kind of poor season. And people were like, this is looks this could be one of the worst contracts in the league, you know, <laughs> yeah. just considering, you know, the, the hit and the fact that Thomas Grice is, uh, you know, sub replacement level goalie this season. And that he just was just spectacular. And he's just every time he gets plugged in, you just you feel you know good about the, the hands the Islanders are in. And uh, he, he's not going to just because of his, his contract status. And it looks like this. The franchise kind of wants to, you know, go with Sorokin and and Barlamov after this year, but like, so the Islanders once again are looking at a possible Vezina nominee, you know, and obviously <laughs> it's only been like, you know, right. not even a quarter of season, so who knows? But um, like just walking at, on him at the end of the year, but uh, for as long as since I mean even they signed a goalie to a 15-year contract and that still didn't stabilize the position, so it's just like these guys yeah. have kind of done it in, in fits and spurts and in those fits and spurts, I don't think there hasn't been a more impressive fit and spurt than, uh, the one that maybe Grice is, is doing. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of one. I mean, Osgood was terrific in that, that one season. And right. then, but after that, you know, he was traded in the middle of the year for Justin Papineau and, uh, <laughs> then, then it was snow and DiPietro and right. never felt like either one of them, I could trust them. And then after that, it was just like, good God, it was, yeah. Oh, who's, yeah. who's no, walking that really door? Bad. Nathan Lawson <laughs> and Peter Menino and yeah. just like, there's Joe just McDonald. yeah yeah exactly so yeah. Uh, the 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 Cubano Grande uh, yeah, exactly. I mean Nabokov is in there too but again th- those guys like their numbers and I mean I don't I don't even need to look them up because I know that they were not as good as Grice because you know the Islanders were a different team back then like they just didn't prioritize structure and you know the high danger chances limiting those the way Barry Trotz does I mean I don't think Jack Capuano certainly didn't and you know, let let those guys. I mean, how many times did we did we watch Yarrow Halak get hung out to dry, and he still won? You know, but I mean, his you know the the or how many how many times did we see him get hung out to dry, and they lost? And it's like, well, you got to help this guy out a little bit by scoring a goal every once in a while. So yeah, I mean, it it's been pretty wild, and you know, the the contract thing is weird. I I forget if he signed that because it was a three year extension, and I forget if he I think he signed it uh, during the second year uh, after. Um, yeah, I think he signed it towards the tail end of his second year, which was down from the first, uh, but still not that bad. Then the next year was when the contract started, and that was the year that it was like his uh, 982 right. save percentage year was like, oh, my God, they're stuck with this guy now for three, three more, two seasons after this. Are you kidding me? But um, it looks like a bargain. And, yeah, I mean, you know, the Sorokin thing is interesting. And I do find you mentioned, you know, how, how well Grice played against Florida. We all know what he does against the Hurricanes, and I wonder if, you know, I- I'm just going to go out, assume that when the Islanders don't re-sign him and they bring Sorokin over, he's just going to sign with either the Panthers or the Hurricanes. Like, that's just, I just assume that's what's <laughs> going to happen. But I don't want that to happen, but I'm just assuming that's probably what's going to happen, uh, which would really suck. But you never know. Maybe if they find something out about Sorokin, maybe Sorokin doesn't want to come over. Maybe they just stick with Christ again. Who knows? I'm just saying, like, it's going to be weird to, you know, this guy is one day not going to be here, like you said, and then it's going to feel very odd that uh 
that he wasn't there for once. Yeah. Um, just but we did quick. feel that way about we felt that way about Everly. So yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, well I'll talk about the yeah. Let's let's do injuries in a second. I um I do want to say um uh, uh, Varlamov did play against the the Panthers and it was a weird game because a couple of the goals he went in seemed a little bit sketchy. Like they were kind of from out outside and they went over his glove hand and those those ones kind of suck. Um, but then he made a couple of really spectacular saves too. And and quite frankly, he was kind of under siege for a lot of that game too. He's, and they had he made like uh, well he, they had thirty eight shots so he made you know thirty five saves and I mean he, sometimes he looked great but the goals he didn't look good but uh, that's really been the only clunker he's had since uh, that game against the Oilers so he he's looked pretty good maybe he still needs a little bit of work but uh, it's not like he's been that bad um, yeah so uh, injuries uh, have, have were a theme throughout the Islanders ten game winning streak uh, and now guys are coming back and now the lineup is in flux. Um, uh, Oliver Wallstrom has been sent down to Bridgeport. Uh, Otto Koivula, I believe, is with the Islanders right now. Am I, am I, is that right? I might be wrong. I'm not sure. We need um, a we need a tracker. It's really yeah. hard. It's just <laughs> um, they played today, the, and I'm trying to remember if he if he played for them or not. But um, Jordan Eberle came back already. He played against the Panthers. He made uh, probably the best save of the weekend, <laughs> which uh, is weird because Jordan Eberle's not a goalie. Uh, but, you know, he looked a little bit out of sync, which I guess makes sense. He played with Barzell and Lee. They'll get that back. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, apparently, Andrew Ladd's uh, um, conditioning stint has been extended for a couple of games. I think they can extend it one more time. I'm not even sure. Um, Who knows? But- with Lou. He, Lou will figure out how to. You oh know, yeah. Ex- oh. You know, every every loophole in the CBA will be. He'll you'll, next thing you'll know, will be like, yeah, well, he's now it's time for his ECHL conditioning yeah. <laughs> stint. <laughs> Andrew Ladd has been named an assistant coach for the Breastown Tigers, and he's just going to be down there now forever. Um. So yeah, he. So but it, he's playing. He is playing for Bridgeport. So he might end up coming back. Uh, be soon. Leo Komarov sounds like he's getting over finally whatever the hell it is that attacked his uh, immune system over the last couple of weeks. I've never seen a guy be out for like two weeks for with an illness it's kind of weird um but uh he's been skating and i guess he's got to get back up to snuff uh you know uh, conditioning wise so that might but he's he is looming uh and then matt martin is is out for a while and so is tom kunhackle so the lineup is going to change oh cole bardrow uh was also sent back down to bridgeport uh had a great run had that great goal uh, on the penalty shot got a great nickname from johnny boychuk bardrow's name is now tuna don't ask why. There is no reason why. <laughs> they just didn't want a Bardi and a Barzi on the bench together. So Bardro is now tuned. Um, all apologies to uh, Bill Parcells and Tom Tupa. Uh, <laughs> the other tuners that we know about. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. And you know, it's kind of funny how you know a team wins 10 games in a row and you kind of forget that all these guys are hurt. Now they're coming back. And this legitimate question is to maybe the guys that are going to get sent away might have been the better options. Um, you know, I don't want to start the whole Leo Komarov thing before he actually comes back. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to say I'm not concerned about what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, hopefully they find the right mid at some point and, and just you know, keep the points coming in. Because that, that's really the important thing as long as they keep the points rolling. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it gives me a little bit of, of agita. But uh, I think with, you know, with it. Everly back, so you get your first two lines are they should hopefully be set in stone. It looks like yeah. Trotz is kind of dealing uh, is is feeling that Bailey and Michael Dalcole can kind of you know either one of them can play on the the second or fourth line depending you know on how you look at it if you want to call the Suzuki line the the third line or fourth line but um and then you obviously like you know with what Ross Johnston and Komarov they can 
probably be, you know, flipped in and out for one another. And it, it seems like it's, it seems like there's 30 forwards on this team. That's what it really <laughs> feels like. And because the, I mean, the la- I think the lad thing is going to be the most complicated. Um, that's when things are going to get to be their most complicated. And, you know, these things sometimes work themselves out with other people going down or whatever. But, uh, you know, he, if Andrew Ladd can, can be a contributing member, you know, if he can play where Matt Martin was playing and then hopefully like that doesn't kill Del Cole's time or whatever, cause he was really good at that line. And Bailey obviously is a, it's probably, if that's the case, he'll move up to the second line. There's just too many, like, there's just too many like things that I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. Cause that mm. would cut this guy out. So <laughs> I'm just hoping that like, like we've been saying all along, it's like we, you know, you put all your trust in, in the, the guy wearing the suit behind the bench and he'll, he'll most likely take care of it and do the right thing. And uh, hopefully at some point they, it kind of just works itself out. And I mean, who knows with, with Ladd, like that's the other thing is like this guy, if, if you, if, if Andrew Ladd, let's just say was a free agent and, and the Islanders signed him to a PTO coming, coming off, you know, this kind of thing, you'd be like, Oh, it's like a low risk thing. Obviously he's got a, a cap hit that we have, you know, there's, there is a lot of context and I get that, but he could, you know, he was he was a great player in his prime. So if he finds something in and just find that old form, uh, he could be a boon for this team that, you know, always is looking for scoring up and down the lineup. There, there hasn't been a huge problem yet, but adding someone with a little uh, scoring flair and proven scoring flair to to the lineup is never a bad thing. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. and I'm not really particularly hopeful, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's the uh, yeah. that's the positive, most positive spin I could give, put on it. Yeah, it's it's been said by by a few. Uh, I'm assuming it. It's, I'm, I can't think of specifically who, but I'm sure it's been uh, Gross and, and Staple. Uh, but you know, Barry Trotz sees um, Andrew Ladd as as a possible serious contributor to this team. Like he wants to get Andrew Ladd on this team to help out for all the reasons that you said. Like he's a proven offensive guy that can score goals and his knows his way around. And yeah, it's the contract that really makes it suck. You know, like that's really and, you know, it's almost like um, Scott Gomez was like that during the last days of him with the Canadians. Like it wasn't that he was completely useless, but when you're getting paid that much, you you can't be just like a pretty good penalty killer. Like, you know, you got to you can't go a year without scoring a goal. Like you have to do something when you're making whatever it was he was making six or seven million at the time. Like that's just crazy. And with Ladd, it's the same thing. And the fact of the matter is he's never going to that contract is already done. Like it's he's never going to he's never going to make up what he's getting paid and and it's it's a shame because you know he might be able to contribute something but you know he, if he kicks in a couple of goals for for Ross Johnson to kick in a couple of goals hey man that's great and you have a good good time with it if uh Andrew Ladd kicks in the same amount of goals you're like man you suck like come on this is really really seriously but uh yeah it, you know it's that's they they just want to get him back up in playing shape. I did forget to mention before that yeah, um you brought up a good point like it seems like Derek Brassard is going to stick on that right wing spot uh, with uh, Bovillier and Nelson for the time being, and again the line works. Like they they played really well against the Panthers, um, and so there's really no reason to guess break them up at least until you know everybody's healthy. And I guess when Lad comes back, he'll probably end up messing things around. But I mean at this point, it seems like Barry Trotz wants Derek Broussard to be a winger, and uh, yeah, it works for me. Sure, go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of been his best, um, I guess, coaching like lineup stroke of the season. Um, and the way that Broussard talks about it and and trots like they were on the same page like the, the, he was just focused on two responsibilities that he never really had before as a center as a playmaking center and uh you know it was he probably bit off too much he can chew and yeah that i mean him and beauvillier 
they're, they they had uh, I think Corey wrote wrote a story or, or someone about how they kind of go back uh, quite a ways in uh, Quebec and uh, they've just known each other forever and, and that chemistry is just it's it's palpable and uh, Beauville yeah, you're just like rooting for this guy because he's he's had so many good chances and he's just not burying them yet and it's like I remember when Ryan Strom um, he started to like do kind of do a similar thing but this is it just felt different like Strom's were like gaping open net and the guy was just gripping his <laughs> stick tight whereas Beauvillier is actually making space for himself yeah. and just getting beat by the goalie or the post or maybe a, a weird bounce um he's he's like I'm, I feel like he's so close to just putting going on like a 12 goals in 20 game streak you know like a yeah. kind of like a Brock Nelson kind of thing uh because he's just right there and he's buzzing and uh he's uh, I can't really say enough good things about just the way he plays and how funny is to watch and that, you know, he's an Islander, like, which is great. Like, I love that this guy's on the Islanders. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this during the Panthers game. I don't think his play has necessarily dropped off, but yeah, the goals have definitely dried up. <laughs> you know, he had that great, he, for the first two, three weeks of the season, like he, he was arguably the Islanders best player. And I think he's still playing the same way, but yeah, the goals just aren't falling for him. So you really hope that they do at some point because uh, he, he deserves it. And he's, he's the most fun, might be the most fun celebratory, uh, guy on the team so uh you got you want to see that but i think it'll happen at some point uh okay we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and uh we're gonna let out a little bit of uh good old-fashioned division rivalry hate and uh talk about the upcoming schedule and uh have our uh old islanders discussion uh so please come back in a couple seconds hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, we are sponsored, as always, by VintageIceHockey.com. Uh, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos like the New England Whalers, Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, New York Rovers. Uh, they also carry our full line of Lighthouse Hockey shirts, which is really just one shirt right now, but there are going to be more. And uh, our portion of sales for those shirts go to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, if you use the code Lighthouse15, you get 15% off your order. That is VintageIceHockey.com. It's run by our friend Kevin. They have great shirts. He's got stuff. If you're going to the Winter Classic and you want to get some cool uh, Dallas Texans or Dixie Flyers shirts, and if you've seen the uh, Winter Classic jerseys, you'll know what I'm talking about, you can get those shirts at VintageIceHockey.com. So it's pretty awesome. You can feel like you're going to the Winter Classic without having to spend Winter Classic money on a Predators jersey. You can get a Nashville Dixie Flyers jersey. VintageIceHockey.com. Lighthouse 15, 15% off. Go do it. Uh, okay, so there was something that occurred to me during the Penguins game, uh, and that is that I absolutely hate, hate, hate the Penguins. And I know that's really not like a uh, you know, relevatory uh, thing to say, but I just, 
I find them to be a very, very unlikable team. Am I wrong? Like, am I crazy? I just find them, a lot of it, I think, I was talking to a friend of mine, a lot of it has to do with Malkin, I think, and he's just a very unlikable player. But, like, I feel like they call these guys up from, you know, Wilkes-Barre, and they are immediately treated like they're all-stars. And it's just, a lot of it, again, I could hear Pierre Maguire's voice in my head whenever the Islanders play the Penguins. But I just, I find them very unlikable. And I, I guess, especially in relation to, like, the Flyers or the even the Rangers or, or the Devils, like the teams that, you know, the, the Bruins, for example, like, you know, these sort of traditional Islanders rivals, even the Caps. Just obviously, Tom Wilson is an incredibly unlikable player. But, like, in general, I don't mind the Caps that much. Uh, guys like Ovechkin and, and Holtby are very admirable players and stuff. So, like, they don't bother me as much as the Penguins do. Like, there's something about that team that just pisses me off to no end. I'm just so sick of them. I swear to God, I can't even take watching their games anymore. And then I'm like, is it just me? Am I the only one? Am I the only one who doesn't like Sidney Crosby now? I don't know, but I just, I figured I'd throw that out there. I think it's, it, um, well, first of all, the worst part about the Penguins and playing the Penguins is that you, no matter what, you get the graphic uh, at some point during the first period that Sidney Crosby scored more oh goals God. and, yeah. you know, points and against the Islanders. And like his, if, you know, if you, prorate this out to a full season this is how many points he'd have and it's just you know that that'll put you in like a sour the fact that he's got similar numbers against the flyers which i saw in an nbcsn broadcast recently made me feel actually a little bit better like the flyer like his points against the flyers and his points against the islanders are very very similar and i was like oh okay that's not that bad but still that that graphic i mean as soon as you said it i knew you were gonna say it it (laughs) does piss me i i actually so it i used to hate them you know we should be kind of rangers penguins but then uh, what after what happened last summer, it's it's been you know Rangers and Maple Leafs oh, by, sure. by by far, and I think that kind of veered me kind of away from hating the Penguins. And then we, the way the the playoff series went, like I was like, oh man, like this is great. Um, but then actually during that game, they when they showed that graphic, it that kind of resentment crept back in just because I started to think about this guy caused us, and I mean Crosby is just so good. It's just mm. insane how good this guy is. Um, at at just everything in hockey and uh and you just and i just started to think about all that the um pain he caused uh a lot of times like when people talk about henrik lundquist i think about the same thing like from 2005 to you know 2000 basically 12 like henrik lundquist just caught every time he let in a goal it felt like a minor miracle like i feel like i never saw him let, let in goals and then uh crosby is a similar thing like the they, they just owned us for so long, that playoff series where they, the Islanders just deserve so much better in that series and just couldn't get, you mm-hmm. know, the goaltending and the breaks and the the penalty call against, I mean, they were sending Brian straight and <laughs> Matt Karpner and, you know, it's just like that that team somehow hung with Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin <laughs> and, and Sidney Crosby at the time. And the fact that they were able to, to win that series the way they did made me, you know, just hate it even more because the Islanders, you know, it's... It, I always call that Sabres series the closest in, back in 2007, the closest five-game series you'll ever see. And then uh, the the Penguin series, like the, if the team that deserved to win moved on. I think the Islanders were the, that team. And, uh, you can't, as you know, when when the series is over, you can't say to somebody, like, "Oh, we, we deserve that." They'll be like, "Oh, you're just, you know, it's sour grapes." But right. I truly, you know, did. And uh, those teams, I felt like, I mean, and also obviously there was the. Bob Airy and uh, whatever the other guy, what's the other guy's name, who's in the booth for the Penguins games. Oh, Steigerwald. Paul Steigerwald. Yeah, who, like, yeah. basically we're calling the Islanders losers for, like, three straight seasons <laughs> after the brawl. Right. Like, so there, I mean, there's, there's like, a ton of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, beaten down, uh, 
you know, ill will that like yeah. I've kind of repressed since the Tavares thing with the playoff. And then, uh, yeah, that graphic, you know, and I'm, and I'm kind of numb to it by now. Like I knew it, uh, was coming. Uh, it did start to make me think about all those things again. Like I kind of had a, a montage of Damon's pain in my head when, when I saw it and Brendan Burke was talking about it. I'm like, we have to go through this again. Like, yes, I'm, like this guy's going to score again, like this game and we're going to talk about it and it's, it's going to be annoying. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that. I mean, that that hatred is going to come back again. And I mean, just the way the last season went, I kind of forgot about them in, mm-hmm. in a, in a rivalry sense because my my hatred was really focused elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the playoff series, I think, yeah, it was, I mean, it was fun for us, obviously, to watch them get wiped out like that. But I feel like, you know, they kind of came back. I, I feel like the Penguins are the one team that treats the Islanders like they're the favorite. Like somehow the Penguins are the underdog to the Islanders because of their history, particularly in the playoffs, obviously during the, the dynasty era or before the dynasty, you know, you've got the, the 3-0 comeback. Then you've got the uh, the Tonelli uh, playoff game, you know, where he, where he scored to keep the, the dynasty going. And then you have 93, and obviously you have the sweep last year. So like the Penguins can play this card that, no other team can really play, which is like, oh, man, the Islanders always get us. Well, now it's our turn to win. It's like, dude, you guys win all the time. <laughs> like You guys, you know, whenever you're in the the lottery, who do they get? Some all-star Hall of Fame guy. Like, it's, you know, how are we the – why are we the bad guys in this situation? I don't understand, <laughs> you know. Um, and so the Penguins feel like – I feel like they use that against them. And, yeah, their, their broadcast crew is – Something else, really. All those they, I mean, their front they, office too was doing was where they were being. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Remember the Pilon statue, and then Lemieux was what was he, the whole Lemieux garage saying, league like, thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, oh yeah. That's another game that's you know it's it's come up a hundred times, and it's like you know nobody that ever watched it will ever forget it, and and you know it's just another thing that you know these the Penguins and their media and the fans are like you know these guys always beat us man now it's our time to go beat them it's like what are you talking about <laughs> you guys have Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby and Yarmir Yager for a span of 30 something years and each one of those guys has eaten the Islanders alive <laughs> you know it's like I tell I tell people all the time like I hated Mario Lemieux for years and people be like, well, how could you hate Mario? It's like, because this guy literally carved my team up every single time they played. It was embarrassing. And then he, you know, he obviously has his health problems. And, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, this is way more than just sports now. Like, I hope the guy gets better. And how he gets it replaced by Yarmir friggin' Yager, who does the same exact thing. And then who does Yager get replaced by? Sidney Crosby does the same thing. Like, <laughs> enough already, please. Yeah. It'll be somebody. There. And when Crosby retires in 10 years, it'll be somebody else, you know? The, and the thing that they did better than, than, or I don't want to say better, but the thing that the Penguins kind of front office, especially when you realize was like, oh yeah, I can go to war with Gar Snow in a, mm. pr- like in a PR war and used by using the press to like make fun of the Islanders. Like, what are they going to do? Be like, oh, Garth, like Mary Lemieux called you guys like, you know, a minor league or organi- Bush league organization. What do you have to say to that? And then you'll be like, well, they hired me and I was the backup goalie at the time. So he's probably right. Right. Yeah. They kind of wielded that, that kind of, power and just like little brotherism right. for no reason like look right. pittsburgh's eight hours away we're, we're, we're not trying to get involved with that like but uh <laughs> yeah right. i mean we've had like i do cherish like the moments we've had against them obviously the sweep and the, that brawl and then i always will forget brendan uh will remember brendan witt's hit on malkin in mm. in a in what was that 2007 uh that 2007 game where you just like stood him up at the line and travis hamannick uh was always Oh yeah! Uh, oh yeah! Bothering Malkin, uh, which was fun, and 
but that being said, like yeah, I, I it it took a it took a f- them coming back from a three zero lead and or three three goal deficit and that graphic to kind of screw this up again. And <laughs> and uh, I, I mean the Islanders also they played the Penguins so early last year, yeah, pre you know becoming what they ended up becoming with this like you know with this wonder kid coach and all that stuff and uh that by the time they played him in the playoffs there was really no um i don't know animosity or whatever there was no fresh wounds and barzell played with crosby and Latang in the all-star game and they right. were like this they kept calling him matt like, he's unbelievable and i was like yeah that's amazing to hear mm. those guys say that and uh it's funny how we hate those guys, and then the minute they yeah. say something nice about our guy, we're like, "Oh, that's great, that's awesome." They said that, yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a little brother. I think I that's I think that's a great that's an observation for me. Like that's you know somehow we're we're the little brother team. The Islanders are the little brother team for two separate teams, one of which is eight hours away. Like what well, you know the Rangers, <laughs> I get, but like what? How did this happen? You know, it's just a very odd scenario. But that's the kind of thing like a little brother would do. Like, you know, you're getting beat up by your brother, but then the minute he says, well, you know, he's my little brother, so I, I love him. You're like, oh, thanks, man. That's great, you know. So, uh, I say that as a guy with two older sisters. I don't have any older brothers. But uh, <laughs> um, this is all going to come up again, I'm sure, next week because the Islanders play the Penguins twice. They have the Leafs on on Wednesday. Um, this is probably going to run probably sometime Tuesday afternoon. I really, really don't want to talk about the Leafs. The Leafs get talked about to death. We all know what their story is. They got Mitch Marner's hurt now. They're you know still stumbling their way through the season. I got it. I don't want to talk about it. We all know who's coming back. Just let's just play the game and see what happens. <laughs> um, I think I, I just want to say one thing. Yeah. I thought uh, if. Christopher Gibson, if the Islanders had Christopher Gibson on their team and they waived him, hmm. it would be Elliot Freeman or Darren Drager, whoever, you know, reports waivers first, Renaud Lavoie, hmm. saying, you know, waivers, NYI, see Gibson. The Leafs waived Michael Hutchinson today, hmm. and it was like, yeah, it was just perfect. It was just like, this This is, if you could just, you know, time lapse a Twitter timeline and be like, do you want to know why everybody is just sick of your, you know, your bullshit? Like yeah. Michael Hutchinson got waived and look at this, like, look, look at how you guys are handling. This is, it, you'd yeah. think that the freaking, what is it? The CN tower was like, you know, a flame, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. just unbelievable. That's a huge, it's huge news, you know? And, and the, the Mike Babcock hate is like full on brush fire right now. Like it's not even, yeah. so that you, you take a, a roster move plus a simmering coach hate, Plus the just everyday, you know, firestorm of hockey Twitter and the lead, and it's just it, it, it's too much. I don't even want to talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw what it, you know that that thing. Too, they're gonna call up the kid from the Marlies, and I don't know. He's gonna save their season. Totally wouldn't be surprised if he starts Wednesday against the Islanders. But that's enough already. And then uh, uh, the, after that game, the, the and the Islanders' weird schedules continue too. They've had three days off. They're gonna play the Leafs. Then they have two more days off. Then they play the Flyers on Saturday. Uh, Flyers right now are feeling pretty good. They've won a bunch of games in a row. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Flyers are the new team that's, you know, when they win a game, all of a sudden, all my, from my timeline are like, are they good? Does this mean they're good? Does this mean they can play? They're good. I don't know if they're good. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. I think that's probably what about what they are. Um, the Flyers do play Friday night though, before playing the Islanders. So that might be a break for the Islanders, but you know, these things don't seem to matter all that much. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be a tricky one. That's in Philly, you know, a place that's never been really kind to the Islanders all that much. Uh, and then next week, uh, they actually have three whole games in the same week. I go, go figure, but two of them are against the Penguins. So 
great. <laughs> we get to see those guys again. Uh, and then the West Coast Swing starts, which I know you love. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about that next week because I know you're, you're a huge fan of the, uh, the old yeah, West Coast bad. Swing there. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, one more it's thing. It's weird. It's a, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's, just, it's funny that uh, it's not weird at all. It's, it's totally under, understandable and predictable. But, yeah, so Wednesday night, obviously, that's the NBC Sports night. Hmm. Um, and they do that's i don't know if they do rivalry night anymore if they what no, they call it but no, i just think it's funny that they decided to uh to forego you know putting the islanders on on uh mm. national tv against the uh the leafs and, and for for the flyers who play on nbc sports every every week but <laughs> that's and, fine uh, i didn't even realize that that was yeah, yeah i just i just thought about that and because I'm, I'm you know just looking at the schedule i see nbc sn next Something, to them and yeah i just i think it's because they don't want the the world to to find out about the uh the anti-islanders power play agenda that <laughs> is still going on dude that's uh, you know yeah that's well all right well first of all i i feel like so every game is at barclay center for every home game is at barclay center throughout ne- uh november for the islanders except for one the one against the leafs and something tells me they probably wanted to get that game on nbc but for whatever reason it's not so that it seems seems a little bit weird i can't imagine they were like bend over backwards to do John Tavares a favor and have the game at the Coliseum that he would prefer uh, rather than just say, screw you, just having it at Barclays. But that is kind of weird. But uh, yeah, the power play thing still is going on and they still <laughs> never get power plays. They had three, I think, against the Panthers, right? Am I am I crazy? Or they had a, they, uh, I forget, they they definitely had yeah. more than one. I was going to say, I know they have more than one and that's not the norm. So no. Right, yeah. Because I remember being like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, what? Two power plays isn't, isn't that much. I, I've, I just it it doesn't it, it's not I, and and we I think actually we do a pretty good job of not um, you know because we don't do obviously game by game recap so there's no uh, chance really for us to talk about uh, poor officiating yes uh, <laughs> three they had three three power plays against the Panthers uh, and I I'm, I'm not like this this is just wonky and bonkers more than anything it's not like i'm not saying the refs are going out there and swallowing their whistle game because i don't think the games as a whole have been terribly officiated but like just there are these bona fide penalties going Mm. uncalled every game uh one or two of them and it's it's usually a a a slash or a high stick i'm like that gets called yeah a hundred times out of a hundred and these and it's like one thing if it happens in one game or maybe two games in a row, but like go, it, I, I was going to, what I was going to say at the top is go look at like power play opportunities and go to like ESPN, NHL stats or whatever, and just look at it, just sort, you know, and you just look at it, you're just like, wow, like the Islanders are 14 power play shy of the Lightning who were at 42 and um, they're like 30 something off the most. <laughs> like this is, it's, it's like, Whatever you want to call it, more than anything, it's just really, really strange. Uh, Hockey Night New York had a nice discussion about this today. Our, our friend Carrie Haber was on it. You should check it out. Tony and Sean do a great job. They've, they've always done a great job. And, they, you know, they brought up a good point, which is that, like, any team with Matt Barzell should be having penalties called on them pretty regularly. You know, not not necessarily more than anybody else, but, like, this is a guy known for shifty moves and speed and darting around the offensive zone. How does this guy not take penalties literally all the time? And it's true. And that goes back to exactly what you just said, which is that there's stick slashes and, you know, slaps on the wrist and stuff like that. And none of them ever get called. And yet if an Islander did it to Sidney Crosby, for example, or anybody else, 
they would call for it. I mean, it happens all the time. And so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, know, we we are, I think, rational people, <laughs> despite having, uh, you know, a podcast about uh, this very irrational team. But, uh, you know, it, refereeing is a hard job. And I don't think there's a conspiracy against the Islanders out there. But, boy, it is weird, though, that like, yeah, none of just... those little stick slashes on Mar- Matt Barzell's wrists ever get caught. And it's the type of it's the type of minute detail in like a bigger fabric of the league that just like the Casey Sezikis example, like it's just not something that's ever really going to get elevated to the right. point where, uh, you know, the, the New York Islanders power play opportunities. That's not going to be the next, you know, coming up next after the break on Leafs lunch <laughs> is is yeah, let's right. talk about why the Islanders are gonna, you know this is not going to ever happen. It's 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 just a strange thing that we have to just we're we're going to keep screaming about into. Mm-hmm. To no avail. Like it's just never going to leave the Islanders' echo chamber. And I, I'm telling you, the other thing too is that the other, the first penalty against the Panthers, I think, was a too many men on the ice. Right. So like the, the the ones that are getting called, they're like delay of games, the I, the, the puck going out over the like that happened against the Penguins and stuff. So it's the it's the, the the actual on ice infractions, the actual like fouls that aren't getting called. And uh, I think the Islanders do play a style that isn't going to lend itself to getting penalties called because it's just not you know they're not really aside from barzell they're not really whizzing around teams and uh stuff like that but you know it's just <laughs> the, you the take a look at mm-hmm. 20 20 power plays in 16 games you're like this is <laughs> less than two game uh yeah so they had they had three against the panthers and uh one against the penguins and the the, the one against the penguins happened about midway through the third I think yeah. After and that was another one. That was a, a too many men on the ice penalty against the Penguins. And I think that was after the Penguins had actually tied the game. And it was like, all right, well, you know, let's let's get this back. And they just never did. Um, you know, on the other hand, the Islanders are have also have three shorthanded goals this year. So I guess they just decided, well, screw it. If we're not going to have penalties called our way, we might as well just turn the ones that are called against us into offensive opportunities. And as long as Sezikis and Clutterbuck keep doing their thing and trading off uh, shorthanded goals. Four, I guess in that way it, it doesn't it kind of evens itself out but uh yeah it is weird and uh we'll never know the reason why <laughs> it's not like a, a referee's ever going to go on record and be like well we haven't called the islanders for penalties because of this um maybe i'm just guessing to- i think scott gomez and brennan shanahan are friends and brennan shanahan uh, obviously used to be the player safety yeah. guy so he made a call upstairs Probably. to i don't know who it is now but it's definitely a former player i can't remember exactly but that's my conspiracy theory that it all goes back to Gomez. I'm gonna. I'm, that that's a good one. I would believe that Gomez gets on the horn, makes some calls, talks to Shanahan. I could see that happening. I'm gonna go ahead with the Islanders either complain too much or not enough, something along those lines. Like I think they either <laughs> complain, they either don't complain enough because Trats has told them like, look, don't complain. It's not. It's not worth it. You're not gonna get. You know. You're not gonna get the calls if you complain. Or they're just out there, and I could see like Nelson or Lee or Barzell being like, "Hey, man, what's going on over here?" Tavares was the worst. That was by far my least favorite thing about Tavares was that he was constantly yelling at the refs about yep. whatever, and it was like, "Bro, just get your head back in the game and play." Now they do that, and they still don't get calls. So what are you going to do? <laughs> um, we uh, I just realized before uh, we're going to wrap it up soon. Uh, I realized before that we never did our uh, was a, an Islander segment last week. We had Denison one. The week before, and playing the Panthers reminded me of a guy who I'm sure nobody remembers was an Islander, but me. A guy named Mike Huff uh, is uh, he was an Islander from 1997 to 99. He was a member of the Panthers team that went to the Cup final, and he was like, um, you know, maybe fourth line 
a grinder. He he wasn't a center. He was a winger, and that that was his job. Like he was a checking winger. I uh, never scored uh, more than. Actually, no, that's not true. His first couple of years in the league, he played for the Nordiques, and he had 13, 13, 6 back then. And then years went by, and he only got as far as eight, and in fact, scored five goals, seven assists for 12 points in 74 games. Think about that 12 points in 74 games for the 97, 98 Islanders. He was around the next year for 11 games, uh, didn't have any points. And I'm going to go ahead. I don't know what the hell happened. He must have. Uh, oh, he was loaned. He was loaned to Lowell. Uh, the low lock monsters of the uh, AHL at that point. So I guess that was the end of his career. So Mike Huff was an Islander. And, uh, I don't know how many people remember that, but me. <laughs> I remember, I just, I, which is, this is funny because I remember, I know you were interning at the time for like in that era, but I remember having a um, program with, uh, what's his face? Mike Watt. Yeah. I think his name was, who was like, yeah. I guess like their, one of their up and comers. Yeah. Uh, and it was like Mike Watt, uh, who, and, and I remember Joe, I, I liked, I used to love the Ducks uh, when I was like younger. I loved Guy Bear and Paul Curry, Timo Solani, uh, Steve Ruchin, before he was a Ranger. Uh, but, uh, and I also, I, I liked Joe Sacco a lot. So mm. when he came to that team, I, I just remember that. I mean, that's, that's like, so 90, I was seven and yeah. 97. So th- that's kind of like my f- first kind of getting to know that, like, these players are actually like real human beings and stuff. So, and for some reason, Mike Watt's name stuck with me and, uh, obviously Wade Flaherty. And, mm. and, and I remember my brother being really excited when they like, Felix Potvin. <laughs> I so think I, I may have wrote that article, that interview with Mike Watt. I definitely <laughs> interviewed him a couple of times. He had eight goals. I'm looking at him now, 75 games, uh, 98, 99. So a year after the, the Mike Huff season, we were just talking about, he had eight goals and 17 assists. And I think, that was also like around the sort of Mark Lawrence time when these guys would kind of come up and and show decent. Like, you know, they, they would score goals and look like players, and then you'd be like, oh, wait, maybe this guy's going to have something. And then the next year it would crash. So that was, you know, the one season. And the next season for Mike Watt, 45 games, six, uh, five goals, six assists for 11 points. So like literally half the amount of points in, you know, most of the same, you know, almost three quarters of the same amount of games. So, uh, no, I remember Mike Watt. He was a nice guy. Uh, came from Edmonton. He was who did, he, who did they get him for? I'm looking right now with somebody. Uh, oh, um, Eric Fischo. So they ah. traded Fischo to the Oilers and got Mike Watt. That's why it was. That's probably why you remember because I was probably like, "Oh shit, we right. traded Fischo." I still have guy. a. There's still a picture of Eric Fischo hanging in my my basement. <laughs> <laughs> Did, I mean, nobody like the the fisherman that that like turquoise wave design. I don't. I guess you could just call it the wave uh, because of Fischo's helmet and his pads. I think he like just that that era and his fashion sense i guess just worked so well he he yeah he just like he was the perfect embodiment for uh for that and there I, there are just some really great if you just type in eric fisho and there's just some beautiful pictures of him i'm i'm like, actually looking at one right now just him in the turquoise uh the i guess it was away back then mm. and his co-heads and it's just it's a beautiful beautiful picture that, that must have been why he went into broadcasting he's a very photogenic uh, yes. gentleman yeah <laughs> so there you go all right well that's there's a lot of islanders uh, was an islanders a mike huff mike watt eric fisho well nobody's gonna forget fisho he's kind of a big deal uh back then but uh yeah man that that whole 90s era is some some fisho, wild fisho was like the dpho before dpho because he oh, was yeah. like oh for sure you know yeah. he had an attitude that slicked back hair he's supposed to be a young goaltending phenom and uh, it didn't work out, which is the, the common thread between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, Fischo's career was 
far, far shorter than DiPietro. Yeah. But then again, he never signed a 15-year contract. Exactly. So, um, but uh, yeah, he never reached uh, 10 wins in a season either. So, but I get you know, it's funny. You, you go back and it's like, oh man, that guy he wasn't that good. But then you're like. Yeah, but that team wasn't that good either. <laughs> so it'd be like, you know, if, <laughs> Chicken if they, and the egg. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, who, who, what, uh, what led to this? And, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe he wasn't as good as his drafts made have made you thought, think, but, uh, the Islanders also had like no operating defenseman on that team. So, uh, <laughs> interesting, but, uh, yeah, we should, we should do an all nineties, late nineties episode one day. It's pretty crazy. Just throw out names there and probably have like stories, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll about uh, wrap it up. Uh, my favorite Islanders game next episode is going to come out next week. Uh, there's still time to get a call in or two if you want to share your story. The number is six four six nine eight zero eight eight five seven. You can call and leave us your favorite Islanders game memory. Uh, we're always looking for more, so if it doesn't get in this one. We'll go into the next one, uh, but that that'll be Monday. You'll get that new uh, next episode. Some really great stuff in there. Some some funny stuff. Some uh, some really emotional stuff. So uh, look forward to it. It's it's pretty cool. Again, the number is not six four six six four six nine eight zero eight eight five seven. You should read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, there's going to be a new Isles Buzz coming out shortly. If it's not out already. There's going to be a PT Isles coming out later this week that uh, Joe's going to hear from some season ticket holders. It looks really cool. Uh, you know, he's he's got a whole roundtable going. It should be really neat. I'm looking forward to hearing that and about the uh, the meet and greet that was coming up uh, that they had this week this weekend. Yeah, it was yeah it was this weekend. Uh, that sounded really cool and some really cool pictures were posted later. Um, tell everybody your Twitter handle again. It's the Big Lebowski with two E's. You should follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Uh, you never know where, he, where he's going to pop up <laughs> on his, uh, his Twitter feed. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing if you want. Uh, we'll be back next week, probably Monday again. Uh, yeah, they don't have a game next Monday. And, uh, yeah, well, if you're going to the game against the Leafs, you know, brace yourselves. Uh, it's going to be a wild one, regardless of what happens. So I can, I can only guarantee one thing, and it will be like Darren Drager around 6 p.m. will say, the Nassau County Police Department has called in extra security for this game. <laughs> yeah, it'll be something like that. Yeah, that's that's what he's done. Or he's going to take a picture of some horses or something outside and <laughs> seem like it's they're batting down the hatches. If you see dregs on, on the concourse, say hello. But be nice. You know, be nice. It would show some hospitality, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, this is – I hate these games. I might just take the day off or something. But, anyway, enjoy it, and we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you then. All right, bye-bye. No!